Let's take our Bibles and turn to Judges chapter 6, please. Judges chapter 6, and we're going to continue in our study through the book of Judges, and we're considering the life of Gideon right now, as he's been the next one that we've worked our way to, and we've been here for a couple of messages uh, on the life of Gideon, and we'll probably be here for a couple more. Uh, great study uh, in the life of Gideon, and we've, we've talked about a few different things, how God is cultivating Gideon and preparing him uh, for what he has coming up in his life. And you'll remember in uh, chapter 6 and verse 12, what God called Gideon. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. We talked about how that is not the initial vision that you get of Gideon. Gideon wasn't a warrior. Gideon wasn't a soldier. Gideon was a young man. And when we find Gideon, we find him hiding and threshing uh, wheat behind a wine press, hiding from the Midianites. And God tells Gideon, I have something for you to do. You're going to be the deliverer of Israel. And Gideon proceeds to tell the Lord why that's not a good idea. I'm the least in my father's house. Nobody respects me. I don't have any standing or status. I have no money. All of those things, those are all excuses and reasons why Gideon said, God, that's not a good idea. And Gideon has a conversation with the Lord, and ultimately the Lord wins. And so we've been talking about how God is preparing Gideon step by step, because pretty soon God's going to call on Gideon to do something that's impossible with men to do. But Gideon's got to trust in the Lord. He's got to have learned faith and trust in God in spite of what his own judgment uh, might come or might be. And so that's where we've been with Gideon. I want to focus on the passage that we considered last time, but I want to take a little bit of a different vein this afternoon. And I wanna, I'm going to talk to a couple of different groups of people uh, this afternoon. And some of it is going to be geared right towards young people and teenagers. Uh, but then there's also going to be some things that are geared right towards us as parents and then toward men individually. And so I want you to pay attention this afternoon uh, as we consider the idea or the, the thought or the subject of leadership uh, tonight or this afternoon and, and using Gideon as that example. And before we break down our passage, our text verses are going to be verses 25 through, through the end of the chapter, and we covered several of those verses last week, and so you'll be familiar with the story as we read it again. But before we get into that, it's, uh, we, need to, we need to think about the idea of leadership for a second, because in our world today, um, what God looks at as good leadership, the world despises, the world hates. And the world has turned the idea of leadership all the way upside down. And the world turns everything upside down. It's a total reversal of truth and righteousness in our world. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 5, Woe unto those who call evil good and good evil, those who put light for darkness and darkness for light. It's not surprising that the culture has turned the definition of leadership upside down as well, and despises it, despises strong and good leadership. But God has designed this 
for, for, for life. And he's designed and he works through authority and through leadership. And it's God's plan for definite and decisive leadership to be in place because it's essential for living. It's essential in families. It's essential in churches. It's essential in, in the culture, in, in the country. And the, I, the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 8, For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? And you know, that's how they would call people to battle. And we see that in Gideon in his life here, that he sounded the trumpet and that the, the, the tribes came together. But the, the principle is, if there's uncertainty in the sound, how are the people going to have confidence to follow that? And, and that's the way it is with leadership. Someone is going to give direction. Someone is going to give focus. Someone is going to give purpose to families, to churches, to communities, and even to a nation. Who is responsible for that? Well, in God's economy, God places that responsibility into the hands of men. In Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 29, the Bible says, God sought for a man among them to make up the hedge, to stand in the gap, but he didn't find any. Where's the men? And God's plan is for godly and wise men to embrace their role of leadership in their realm of influence and to, and to lead in a positive, definite, principled course. And listen, here's the truth of the matter. Good leadership benefits everyone. No leadership. No leadership causes harm to everyone. And every man does that which is right in his own eyes. That's how the book of Judges plays out. Good leadership benefits everyone. And if there's a void, something's going to fill it. But it's not going to be the best thing. And Gideon is our example here. And again, you remember that God called him a mighty man of valor. That's not the vision we get of Gideon initially, and yet that's what God called him, even while he was a young man. And God saw what he would be, and God was preparing him for what he wanted him to do. And judged by the world's wisdom and the world's standards, Gideon, he certainly would have been weak and uninfluential. But with the presence of God and with the power of Jehovah God in his life, Gideon ends up becoming what God intends him to be, that mighty man of valor. And that's what God wants to create in us as well. God's people, men and women of valor who can stand, men who can lead in righteousness and holiness. And there's a void. There's definitely a void of strong leadership in our culture, there's a void of leadership in churches. I've seen this. I've seen this. And I'm viewing it and seeing it more all the time. That there's a void of leadership in churches. I mean, good leadership and godly leadership. I think the culture is full of this. And sadly, sadly, it, 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 it leaks itself into the Lord's churches. This, the idea or the thought of this, this toxic masculinity that is out there and what being a real man, a godly man is, is just the world hates it. But you know what it's created? It's created a lot of man babies out there. Peter Pan's who never want to grow up. 
who never take their responsibility, who always have to be cared for themselves, and the result is a severe lack of leadership. Listen, it brings very negative effects to families, to churches, to a nation. Well, Gideon, God said, was a mighty man of valor. Well, what helped Gideon become that mighty man of valor? So I want to talk to you, and again, I'm taking a little bit different vein here, a little bit different um, angle to the same passage that we were in last week. And I want to talk to you, some of you teenagers, to parents, to men individually, as we walk through this. And I just want to bring out some principles this afternoon Uh, what is it that made Gideon this mighty man of valor? And where did this this leadership begin for him uh, that God called him to? And so let's pray and then we'll dig in. Lord, I pray that you'd give your grace this afternoon uh, to preach your word. And Lord, I pray that there would be alertness among us and Lord, a, a desire and a willingness to apply the word of God in our life here. And Lord, I pray that you teach us and challenge us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's uh, read our verses here. Judges chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 25 again. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore on that day he called his name Jeroboam, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered after him, and he sent messengers through all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher, and unto Zebulun, and unto Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, it be dry upon the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so, for he rose up early on the morrow, and thrust the fleece together, and wringed the dew out of the fleece a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. 
And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. Now we're going to consider this second part of this passage next week, the fleece that Gideon puts out. But before Gideon gets to that point, and before he blows the trumpet, and before all the people of Israel are gathered unto him, they're going to go to war. They're going to follow him into battle. But before all of that happened, Gideon had to come to a point where he was going to obey God, he was going to trust God, he was going to see the power of God, the hand of God, which was going to affect other people. Then they were able to follow him into battle. And Gideon became a leader, a leader of the nation of Israel. But where did it start? How did it begin in Gideon's life? Well, first of all, I want to point out to you that becoming a leader began when Gideon was at home. Notice verse 25. Verse 25 says, And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of the seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. Now, we know that God told Gideon what he was supposed to do. In verse 14 of chapter 6, the Bible says, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? So we know that God told Gideon what he was ultimately going to do. He was going to deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. God told him how it was going to happen. In verse 16, And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. So God said, this is what you're going to do. God said, this is how it's going to happen. I'm going to be with you. You're going to smite them as one man. But before any of that happened, God put Gideon to the test. He tested his character. And God said before that, what I want you to do, Gideon, is I want you to go and I want you to pull down the altar that your father has. Gideon, becoming a leader, started when he was at home as a young man, even in his father's house. God told him to throw down the altar of Baal that was his father's. Now, I'm going I'm to make a challenge here, and I say, what a challenge this is for all of us. Number one, that we are to put God and obedience to God even ahead of our own families sometimes. Families are good. Families are strong. Families are what makes a church run. Families are what makes a country run. But listen, ultimately, the authority in my life is God alone. And becoming a leader begins when I make a choice for myself that I am going to follow and obey God no matter what anybody else does or says. I'm not disparaging families in any way. Because ultimately, a family should lead in the way of righteousness, right? But what a challenge that is to put God in obedience to God ahead of even family. And we, listen, listen, teenagers, you ought to honor your parents. The Bible says so. Honor your father and your mother. But you know what? The Bible doesn't say to follow in the footsteps of that which is contrary to God's law. 
You are to honor your parents. But it doesn't mean following in the footsteps of something that is dishonoring to the Lord. Friends, here it is. Gideon had to make a choice. Gideon had to decide. Am I going to obey God? Or am I going to stay under the peer pressure or influence of that which is ungodly? Developing leadership begins in the home. There's a couple of areas here. First of all, there is parental responsibility. When it comes to developing leaders, that is a parent's job to have a part in that. There's, a, there's some parental responsibility involved in developing leaders and leadership. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. I want you to turn over there. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. The Bible says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Here's a father's responsibility to bring up his children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 says, To train up a child in the way he should go. Those are commands of the Lord from the Word of God. There is a biblical command for parents to bring them up and to train them in the way that they should go. You know what? It takes training and it takes work to instill character and principled living in the lives of children. It does. It takes work and it takes training. You know what? It doesn't take any training to teach them to lie, to teach them to be lazy, to teach them to be unkind, to teach them to be selfish, that doesn't take any training because that is inherent in our natural flesh. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of training to instill character in our children. Why? Because of the sin nature. The sin nature naturally wants to pamper our flesh. We want to pamper ourselves. We want to be lazy. And, and the sin nature causes us to be unkind to each other or to be selfish. And you know what? Our society is full of that. Churches should not be. Homes should not be. Society is suffering from spoiled, lazy man babies. The prolonged adolescence. That's what you call it. The 30-year-olds plus who can't hold a job, who live with their parents, who play video games, who waste time, and who waste their life. Why does that happen? How is that a thing? Because they've been allowed to do it. Where are the real men? I told you the story of things I'm thankful for from my parents, from my mother. I told you, thankful for my mom that she taught me to do my own laundry when I was 12 years old and ironed my own clothes when I was 12 years old. She didn't do it anymore after that. You know what? My parents made me buy my own clothes by the time I was 14. 14 years old, I'm buying all my own clothes. I had a job. Might as well do it. You want some, you want some new undies? Guess what? You're going to go buy them. Yeah, I get some Snickers out of that because I want to lighten the mood a little bit. It's a true thing. And you know what? I might, be able to, I might say, oh, me, oh, me, oh, my, oh, my. And at the time, I might have complained a little bit about it. But you know what? Today, I'm very thankful for it. Why? 
because it instilled in me a responsibility to take care of myself, to do it well. And listen, young men, how critical, how critical for young men to learn to be able to take care of themselves and to do it well. Why? Because if you cannot take care of yourself, if mama always does it, you'll never be able to take care of anybody else, let alone a family. I think... I've seen this, that there are men or boys in men's bodies, rather, they're looking for wives, they're looking for a girl, they're looking for a mate for life, you know, I got to be married, but you know what they're looking for? They're looking for a girl who's going to take care of them like mama does. Garbage. It ought to be the other way around. What I'm saying is there's parental responsibility to teach, to train, to build character in our children. And so often we will set the stage for their success. At the same time as I say that, I also say that there's some personal responsibility that goes into it as well. Because you know what? There aren't any perfect parents there's some, there's, there's some real deficiencies in parents, and I'm one of them. I'll be just very honest with you, very straightforward and transparent. There are some things that I lack in. But over the years, I look back. Should have done a better job with that. You know what? I don't think it's wrong to admit it. To show emotion about it. To say, look, I know this is my job and my responsibility. And, and I've tried. I've tried. But you know what? I'm not perfect either. And I'm not cutting myself some slack. What I'm saying is that is the truth of the matter. There's some parental responsibility to work and to train. But there's also some personal responsibility that goes into that for young people, for developing leadership. Because there are no perfect parents. And you know what? God told Gideon in this situation, Gideon, you're the one who needs to tear down your father's altar to a false god. You're the one who needs to make that difference in your life, not just follow along with what has been going on in your culture or in your family. What would have happened if Gideon hadn't obeyed the Lord? Well, he probably would have followed the same footsteps. He probably would have been an idolater himself. Gideon had to choose a different path for himself. And here's where the personal responsibility comes in. You know what? There's a lot of habits. There's a lot of faults that get passed down to the next generation. And a lot of times, they end, you know, children will end up with the same kinds of struggles that the parents had. And to that, I say, oh, me. I pray for my kids. They don't have the same struggles I have. Sometimes there are deficiencies 
in the lives of parents that were passed down to them. And they've got to struggle with this. And they're not perfect themselves. And it can get passed on to the next generation and so on. But here's the truth. As a person grows, as they mature, as they develop in their own relationship to God, you have a responsibility for yourself. No one can totally blame their parents for the way that they are. Surely there's some influence. But you can't totally blame your parents for the way that you are. We can choose to stop the trends in our own life by choosing that which is right and that which is principled. Let me say it again. Teenager, young person, you can choose to stop those trends in your life by choosing to follow the Lord for yourself. That was the case with Gideon. Part of Gideon becoming a leader, becoming a man of valor, a man that God could use, he had to determine that he was going to be obedient to God himself. And you know what? It takes some courage. It takes some charactered men and ladies to stand and do what's right, especially when it's contrary to your own family or the trend. If God speaks to your heart, if God reveals something in your life, you know what? You can change that for yourself by God's grace. Just because this is what's happening here doesn't mean that I have to walk that path. Gideon, becoming a man, becoming a leader, started when he was at home, when he was young. It took courage, it took character, but that helped him to become a man of valor. It helped him to trust in the Lord later on. It helped him when God told him, here's all of your army, but now I want you to cut it down to 300 men. It helped him to be able to still do what was right. Gideon had to trust He had to trust in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord, having a relationship with the Lord is part of leadership. Leadership in trusting the Lord when you don't know what to do, when you don't have the resources available and being able to get an answer from God in the way that you should go for your family, that is part of leadership. It began for Gideon, though, when he was at home, when he was young. There's some parental responsibility, but there's also some personal responsibility. So where, where, where did it begin? It began at home. Secondly, I want you to know when it began. Look at verse 27. Go back to our text, Judges chapter 6. In Judges chapter 6, again, see verse 27. So God told him what he needed to do. And then the Bible says, Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. As soon as God, it was the same night that God called him, God told him what he's what he going to do next. And then the Bible says, Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord said to do. Do you know when it began for Gideon? It began at once. It began right away. Not someday. Not someday when I'm older. Not someday when I know more. It began right now. Obedience to the Lord 
And, and being a leader began right away. We see a little fear in Gideon's life because the Bible says in verse 27, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. We see a little fear here. But what we don't see is Gideon hesitating. Gideon obeyed right away. He overcame that fear and he obeyed the Lord anyway. Gideon didn't say, you know what, maybe tomorrow or maybe when I get up enough courage or maybe when I'm a little older or maybe when I'm a little more experienced, then I'll follow after the Lord. Gideon obeyed God even though he was young and even though he was inexperienced. And the application is this. When God calls... And when the call of God is clear, when he's speaking to you about something in your life, when God is making his will known, we shouldn't put it off and we shouldn't wait because it's disobedience unto the Lord. But you know, many times, and I'll say this to teenagers again because I like, I'm going to talk to you some more in this message. Many times teenagers have this attitude that someday when I'm older... Or someday uh, when I have something else, then I'll get more serious about God. No, you need to develop a relationship with God right now in your life. Now is the time to be developing a discerning heart. Now is the time uh, to, 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 to be seeking after God's face for yourself. Listen, listen, you ought to honor your parents and you ought to be obedient to your parents, but you should know and you should have some principles for yourself in your own life, some convictions about you even now. I want to do right. The way that I present myself the things that, that, that go on when my parents aren't around, when nobody sees or hears how I conduct myself, the things I listen to, the way that I think. Listen, you should have some convictions being developed in you right now. You should develop a discerning heart. Is this going to be good? You should be seeking after God's face now. Lord, what is your will for my life? Lord, I want to do whatever you say to do. What is your will for my life? There's far too many adults, married people, that have never ever developed. And they're selfish individuals, they're spiritually stunted individuals. Now they're married with families. And there's a great void of leadership. Let me ask you a question. Men, can you lead your wife and your family in the things of God? Are you spiritually mature? Are you growing in your spiritual life or are you a spiritual man-baby who needs to be spoon-fed, who needs to be taken care of? It doesn't matter what your physical age is. Now is the time to be developing, growing, seeking after, and obeying God. God's command to Gideon here was pretty simple. It was a baby step, really, in preparation 
for what was coming. And Gideon had all that he needed to do what God was telling him to do. He merely needed to obey it. God was preparing Gideon to do things that were impossible, that would require faith and require obedience. That's where leadership begins. So we see where it began at home. We see when it began right away. And then I want you to notice what he did. Notice what he did. Again, look at verse 25 and verse 26. Verse 25 says, at the end of the verse, Throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. And then verse 26, And build an altar unto the Lord thy God on the top of this rock. And then God tells him to offer for a burnt sacrifice that second bullock. What did, what, what did he do? The work of Gideon here was twofold. First of all, there had to be a pulling down. And then secondly, there had to be a building up. There were some things that Gideon needed to pull down. The Bible says that Gideon was to go and pull down the altar of Baal. The altar of Baal represented that which was false, that which was deceptive, that which was opposed to the will of God, that which was opposed to the rule of the one true God. That is what Gideon had to pull down, the altar of Baal. Now let's make the application in our own life. You know what? That altar of Baal, that which is opposed to the will of God, it could represent our flesh. It could represent anything and everything that is God usurping, anything that is self-exalting. Those are the things in our lives that God wants us to pull down, to be rid of. Our flesh, God, anything God usurping, anything self-exalting that, that promotes me, that, that, that gives more of me and less of him, those are the things that need to be pulled down in our life. It takes some self-examination, and sometimes it takes some trials, and sometimes it takes some fires that you've got to walk through as a man or as a young man in order to learn and to, to understand and to discern that my flesh and the things that are God usurping in my life are things that actually hinder me and keep me from doing the will of God. And I've got to die to myself and tear it down in order to please and serve God. But then, the Bible says that God told Gideon, you've got to build it up. In verse 26, and what you need to build is an altar unto me. He built an altar unto the Lord that replaced that which was ungodly with that which is holy. You follow that? It takes some character to do that. How many times do we know that things need to be changed in our life, but we're too lazy or we don't want to change? In fact, when some of our flaws are highlighted or Something about us is being presented to us. 
that's a flaw, that's a deficiency. Our tendency is to get defensive. Our tendency is to fight back, to resist, to ignore, because it's making me look and making me feel bad. And maybe even the Lord highlights that in her life, but I'm too lazy, or I don't want this to change about me. And listen, there might be things that we know are bad, and we like, oh, okay, well, I got to try to stop that. But we don't ever replace it and rebuild it with something that is holy unto the Lord. Listen, our personalities are full of things like that, that need to be refined. And not only do they need to be refined, but they need to be replaced with new things, better things. I think I've told you this story before, but there was, a, there was a point in time in my life where, for the fun of things, you know, we're always, we're always ripping at each other, we're always tearing each other down, and it's always just in jest, it's always in fun, it's not serious, we don't really mean it, you know, that kind of stuff, and I would do that. In fact, when I was a youth director, sometimes we would start teen class, and that's how we would start teen class, we would... Somebody would come in late and we'd start making jokes and we would do this and that. We thought it was really fun and games and all this kind of stuff. It was really very innocent in its intent, but it wasn't the best. And the practice of that results in a very sharp tongue. A very sharp tongue, a very critical tongue. And that's actually the opposite of the way that the Bible says that we're to use our tongues. And there's nothing wrong with joking around with each other once in a while, but when it's a habit of your life, and listen, you start to make a name for yourself, hmm, there might be something there, right? What are you known for? Her having a very sharp tongue. I don't know that that's the name that you want to have. In fact, I know that's the name that you don't want to have. Because the Bible says that a good name is rather to be chosen. So there was this point in my, in my life where this was a, a thing. And it was part of growth, certainly. And somebody came to me and they said, you know what, this is something I've noticed about you. If you're going to be a pastor, if you're going to be a servant of the Lord, this is something that's a deficiency in your life that needs to be changed. And I was like, well, <laughs> But the more that I thought about it, and the more that the Spirit of God kept pricking me about it, the more that I could see, you know what, that's actually right. And it was like, ugh. Now I don't feel so good. And this person said to me, you know what I, I think would be good for you? Since you don't really think it's a problem in your life, what I think would be good for you is if you tried to go an entire day, one whole day, without saying anything negative or without uh, joking around or saying something in jest that's a put down on somebody else. I can do that. I can do that. You know what? I couldn't do it. And it just opened up my eyes and, and my mind that, you know what, this is actually a real thing in my life. But you know, it wasn't enough just to say, okay, that's a bad thing. I should stop doing that. I shouldn't do that as much. God wants to replace that thing. 
He wants it to replace something that's actually holy. And God says in his word, the way that you should use your tongue is this way. And you should edify with your speech and you should build up and so on. And this is what we ought to try to do by God's grace. Are we perfect at that? No, we're not. Absolutely not. We are sinful people and we will fail. But listen, the heart attitude is it's not enough just to remove the, the, the idol or the thing. God wants it replaced in your life with something that is more Christ-like. To build up an altar unto the Lord. To replace that which is ungodly with that which is holy. And it takes some character and some self-denial to do that. We don't replace that which is ungodly. And it's going to come back. God said, Gideon, what I want for you is to obey. Pull it down. And then build it up. That's what God wants to do in our life too. Not just remove the things that are deficiencies, but to replace them with that which is honoring unto the Lord. And then what happened? We'll just close it up here. I'm losing some of you. The sleep's overtaking you. Look at verse 28. Verse 28, the Bible says here, And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down. The grove was cut down. And you know the story here. They said, bring out Gideon so that he would die because he's done this thing. But then I want you to look at verse 31. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself because one hath cast down his altar. What happened when Gideon decided that he was going to obey the Lord, and Gideon was going to do as God said to do. Well, we find here that the attitudes of people changed. First of all, what we might note is that these men of the city, they probably used to like Gideon. It was Joash, it was his father who had this altar. They all loved it. Gideon was probably one of the crowd. Gideon was probably one that they all liked. And they all liked him until... He decided he was going to obey the Lord and do what was right. Let me say this to you. When you begin to change and you do what is right, there's going to be some people who don't like you. But to that we ought to say, so what? Because God is pleased. God is the one that matters. It impacted his family. His dad stood up to these. It was on his father's land. It was his own. And his dad changed his mind, his mind about things because he saw his, the influence of his son in his life. At the same time as it impacted his family, what we can surmise from this is that it also gained Gideon a lot of respect. And the reason I say that is because we look at what happened right after this. Right after this, the Bible says that he blew a trumpet to call the men. And here we've got these different tribes and these different people. They're all coming and they're going to follow Gideon into battle to do battle with the Midianites. Gideon gained a lot of respect because he did that which was right. 
and followed after the Lord. The same is true in your life. Whether you're a young person, listen, you don't have to follow in the same trends. You choose for yourself that you're going to follow after God. But be prepared. There's people who are probably not going to like you. When you decide to change things for your life, there are people who aren't going to like you. Why? Because it makes them look bad. But you say, so what? Because I'm trying to be a follower after the Lord. That's what I'm trying to do. But then, note that you're going to gain a lot of respect too. People are going to notice. And God is going to be glorified in your life. I'll just wrap it up with this thought. God was preparing Gideon for leadership. Gideon was going to lead, and he was going to lead in a principled way. God was going to get victory. But it started when he was at home, when he was young. It took some courage. It took some character. But God proved himself strong. And Gideon ultimately did become that mighty man of valor that God saw him to be. We're going to talk about next time, what was the power source? Well, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And we're going to talk about that next time. What enabled Gideon and what empowered him to become that mighty man of valor? It was God's very presence in his life. The same thing that we need. Amen? Amen. Let this be a challenge. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'd challenge our hearts with this matter of leadership. Whether it's husbands and fathers, whether it's young people in development. Lord, I pray that we would have a heart that is determined to follow and obey the Lord in the Word of God, no matter what other people may say or do. Lord, I pray that you'd develop strong leaders within our church. I'm thankful for principled men and spiritually minded men in our church and the way that things function. But Lord, we also have a responsibility to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We have the next generation that is coming along. And Lord, to embrace our own responsibility in the development of the next generation of leaders, people who love the Lord with all their heart, who want to serve God. Help us to teach our children that the best thing that they could ever do with their life is to do whatever the Lord wants them to do. And Lord, to have a heart of love for you. Lord, as we close today, I pray that we just ponder and think and examine and just chew on the truths that were presented from God's Word today, whether it was from Sunday school or the 11 o'clock hour or this afternoon. Lord, I pray that we would just meditate on the Word of God and let it effectually work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.